everybody. How you doing? I hope you're having a wonderful day, afternoon, morning, evening, wherever you're at. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Ike Live. Uh, we got a good one for you today. Joining us in just a little bit, really a, sort of a, a, a guy that has been a big part of the sport for a long time. For me personally, he's been there from the very beginning. Uh, not only someone I work with in the media, but someone I consider a friend. Craig Lamb uh, is joining us in just a little bit. Craig, for, of course, from Bassmaster. Uh, Want to catch up on a few things real quick. Uh, have a reminder here that uh, the Ike Foundation has already announced our scholarship dates uh, for this winter coming up. So head on over there uh, if you want to support the scholarship program. We've got tickets already available for that night. It's going to be a great night. If you attended it last year, you know we had food, drink, auction. Uh, we even had some gambling. I don't know how they pulled that off, if it's legal or not. But join us again this year if you want to help out with our scholarship program. Also, want to remind everybody, if you see the hat that I'm wearing right now, let me see if I can get the angle right. We have the uh, Ike Hall of Fame hats available for purchase right now on the website. Uh, guys, just like the t-shirt, these are limited edition uh, it's a very cool piece of memorabilia. Uh, I think they made maybe like a hundred of these hats. So if you want a uh, Ike Hall of Fame hat, head on over to MikeIconelli.com and put your order in before they're gone. It's it's definitely a really, really cool hat. Uh, last housekeeping thing uh, is just a note about the comments that we're getting about this new format for Ike Live 2.0. Uh, thank you guys for all the great comments. I, I'm so glad, so, so happy you are enjoying this new, more personalized one-on-one -on -one, uh, interviews. I, I can tell you I'm having a blast with these guests, really getting to know them uh, on a whole new level. So it's been a lot of fun for me. Keep sending in your comments, questions, guest ideas. Uh, keep sending them over. There's some really good ones coming. Uh, and last but not least, this one just popped into my head. We do have an Ike Live Halloween special coming up Saturday. I think it's Saturday, October 28th. Uh, and we'll be back out in the old Ike Live studios out in the barn for that one. Don't miss it. The whole crew is going to be there for that one. we got some really, really unique costumes uh, we're going to be displaying in this year's show. So that should be fun. All right. Enough of the small talk. I cannot wait to get this guy on. I've known him forever. I'm so happy to have him on Ike Live for the first time. Joining us now, the one and only Craig Lamb. What's up, hey, man? Hey, man. Hey, uh, first of all, congratulations on your uh, induction. It was truly uh, rewarding for me to see you uh, put that blue jacket on in that room of, of all those legends, you know? Thank you. Thank you. And, and it, it made it special to have guys guys like you there. Uh, it, it really did. And, and it, I'll be honest, like, when they made that announcement at the classic this year was I was blown away, but it didn't feel real. Like it, it didn't feel real to me until that night. And, you know, getting there, you know, receiving the plaque and, and, and of course putting that jacket on and um, man, it made me so emotional. Like I'm actually thinking about it right now. I'm starting to tear up a little bit, but you know, my uncle Don actually got to put the jacket on for me. And then, you know, to see you guys there, uh, you know, all, all my heroes of the sport from the other fishermen to the writers to 
you know, people in the industry to see them there to have a blue jacket like them, dude, it's still kind of like a dream right now. I'm still like blown away. I, I got to know, did you, what, what was the feeling like when you got inducted? Was it the same? Was it just like surreal? Was it crazy? Well, first of all, we've got to get me inducted because I'm not in yet. <laughs> what? You're not in? Not yet. Uh, Wait a minute. Did I, I just get... do some, did I just do some foreshadowing here that I that I didn't maybe, expect? Maybe I need to get nominated. So <laughs> maybe this is I'm, so, I'm sorry and not sorry all at the same time because let me tell you, I, I'm sorry because I apologize because I honestly just assumed you were. So I'm sorry I didn't know that. But I'm not sorry because Craig, I am here to tell you, and I'm I'll put I'll throw myself under the bus. You deserve to be in there way more than I do. <laughs> way more than I do. Like I I'm just I'm shocked right now. I'm embarrassed, but I'm also shocked. Craig, you gotta be in that Hall of Fame. You need you deserve to be there. I appreciate that. I mean, the fun the uh, funny thing is now. You know, as guys like you put them on, put the blue jacket on, uh, not making you feel old, but most of those uh, uh, inductees, a lot of them saw me grow up, literally. Some of them literally saw me grow up when I was a teenager and earlier, like Rick Clun, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they watched me literally, literally grow up in all of this as long as I've been involved in it. Uh, yeah. It's truly an honor to be a part of it. You know, I'm on the – selection committee and i might have some better news later in the year about uh having some more involvement you know internally with the, the hall but yeah yeah you 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 need to be there i'm telling you right now if you're watching and listening to this podcast and you you cast a ballot you get to cast a vote please put craig in because he he needs to be there uh i, I it's a good segue what you just said i, I think a lot of people from afar see you and see your name and they're like, Oh yeah, he's, he's the Bassmaster writer, man. He's, he's good. Yeah. He's been doing it for probably about 10 years. Yeah. He's a good writer, but dude, you said it, you've been at this a really long time. Um, I, I know your background is a little bit, but I, I do want to get into, into it a little bit. Like the way that I understand it, like you, you were a fan of the sport way before you got into doing this as a full-time gig. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's kind of a funny story. So, um, uh, 76, my dad took to, took me to my first tournament. I wanted to meet, I wanted to meet Rick Klein. I wanted to see all those guys. Cause I mean, I connected to like you did, I connected to this passion that I had and it was such a fascination through Bassmaster magazine. That yeah. was my connection. That's all we had. And so I started going to the tournaments. I met Klein and, uh, you know, I, Harold Sharp, actually the first uh, tournament director, called me the original bass groupie <laughs> um, because what I started doing is, you know, I got my driver's license the next year in 77. Uh, we had a bass at a tournament on Percy Priest Lake. I worked a summer job at the marina where it was, and, of course, Clun won the tournament, and that's where I met him. And, uh, you know, like – you probably did, or some other people did. I sent him a, I sent him a fan letter. Thought, yeah, whatever, you know. And so I'm going to the mailbox every day, and and sure enough, about a month later, it shows up, wow. and it's it's like a two page deal. And then '78 came. I graduated from high school, went to uh, Kentucky Lake tournament. Oh, here, my program. 
Whoa. I had Ray Scott's. I stalked Ray Scott outside of his motel room. And when he came out, I, I, come, I show up with this thing and I, I say, could you sign my program? I want to come to work for Bass. And he just kind of laughed and he signed it. Yeah, good luck, kid. And, you know, I was relentless. I I wanted to get a job in the industry. So what happened, yeah. you know, eventually I got into college. I mean, there's no major for this in college, you know, but I went to college. Yeah. And while my roommates were going to Daytona to chase girls, Bass usually had a tournament during that week somewhere. And I would go to that tournament. Uh, I know a couple of times I slept in Randy Fights' uh, van. That's Clint's cousin. Clint's, yeah. I'd roll away and I, you know, I just bum, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it, it kept going from there. I, I spent, I got to practice fish with Clun one year, actually spent uh, one or more summers uh, at his house um, sleeping on the couch, you know, just a, a daggum couch bum. And, uh, you know, I'd go to tournaments with him. And finally, I went from the groupie to uh, getting the job. Uh, Harold Sharp laughed about it. He said, yeah, now I know why you were doing this. I said, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. This is so amazing to hear this because I, for a lot of you listening, you know, um, like Rick Klein has this, you know, he's my superstar, you know, when I was a kid, like he was the guy that is the guy that I'm just my, uh, and you know, like to this day, this is funny to say this, but to this day, I know Rick now, like he's a friend, but still get nervous around him. But to have those experiences with Rick as a kid, that must've been, that's just, it's like mind blowing for me to try to put myself there at, at that time. That must have been an amazing experience. Oh, yeah. Cause that's, you know, that's when he had started winning classics. You know, he'd already won yeah. Max. And, uh, you know, he was, he was really, you know, they, he was going through that mental, uh, all of that stuff that's going on. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was so fortunate to, to be part of that and for him to allow me, you know, cause he is a different person. Um, yeah to allow me into their, into his personal life is great. Cause you know, from there, I, I got to know people like Hank Parker and he would let me tag along. And, uh, you know, Jimmy and Chris Houston were, yeah, they were like road, road mom and dad to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there were so many that I just met along the way. And you know, like I said, those are, they're wearing, they're in that room wearing those blue jackets. And that's why it's truly rewarding to me to have a lifetime of, of not just, uh, you know, like you mentioned earlier, not just work relationships, yeah. but these per personal connections that are so meaningful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Um, so I, at what point, so I, I'm, I'm visualizing this happening and it, it's incredible because you had a drive, you know, as, as a kid, like it, it, it's coming through loud and clear that like, you knew what you wanted to do, you know, like, I hate I hate to throw youth under a bus right now, but that hustle that you had, yeah. a lot of kids today don't have that. You know, you, you know, you were going out of your way, you were doing these things, you were putting yourself out there, and that's that's absent a lot now. But but that I mean that really that was the reality of what got you to this point. What what came next? Because I know there's a I know there's a ranger boat connection somewhere. Yeah. How, how, did, how did that, how did that change? Yes. Yeah, so that, you know, again, you know, back to, back to this thing, uh, I'm, I'm there and I'm getting to know Nina Wood, you know, she sits in the, 
in the, you know, in the, on, in the audience rather, and got to know her. And then just my detour from that Marina job I was working, I, uh, um, actually fished three invitationals two one year and then another one, another year, but whatever. But I asked her for some clothes and shirts and she kind of warmed up to me. And then, you know, she, she made, she made a lot of this. Let's say she made a lot of the decisions around that place back then. Yeah. I, I, told, yeah. Her, I told Forrest, I really want to come to work for you all. And, you know, they, they just said, well, get your college taken care of. And I did. And I, dude, I drove over, I drove to flipping from here, from Tennessee. And I, I just showed up, showed up at, at just, Ranger and just showed up and, like no, no, announcement. Up, no appointment. And Forrest just got his pipe and he's like bites it in half. Like, what are you doing here? Oh, this is great. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was all around. I think I was all around 22 years old. Yeah. And he said, well, we don't have anything, but let us think about it. And I left so dejected, drove back home seven hours and get home. My mom says they called, call them. And uh, this is in 1982. And uh, so they hired me and I literally was, you know, in modern day terms, what we call it now is I was Forrest Woods caddy. Right. I, but I had a public relations job. Uh, but I, I did a lot of things there. But primarily what I did was I took his boat to, boat, uh, to the tournament. Uh, he and Nina flew in, but I had to take that thing. Uh, we laugh about it today. When he won the 1979 New York Invitational, he bought his and hers Lincoln Continentals, one for him, one for Nina. And I'm oh, talking yes. the, the long ones. Oh, yeah. I had it, they put air shocks on that sucker. And that's what I had to tow his boat to. Wow. And, you know, I did that and I learned so much more about myself because, you know, let's face it, flipping Arkansas is a huge culture shock for somebody who's just out of college. There's no dog, oh, yeah. pizza, there's no girls, there ain't nothing. And, nope. uh, and you know, they taught me a lot about myself, uh, you know, because I'm young and cocky. I'm college educated. I'm ready. Yeah. And, I, and they, they showed me that I so was not ready and that there was ways to do to do that. And so, I, yeah, I was there um, for, you know, I think three years. But yeah. just, I I was restless culturally. You know, it was a, it was a big adjustment. And yeah. deep down, I always wanted to work for uh, work for Bass. But yeah, that's how that's how it started. That's incredible. I would tell me, Craig, tell me you have a picture of that somewhere of the of the Lincoln, of the, the giant boat Lincoln with a Ranger on the back. Please tell me you have a picture of that. The Land Cruiser. Yeah, I, I, I I've got it because Pete Robbins wants to see it. I think I've got one somewhere. I think I would I love to see that. Because oh, my first, God. The first time I had to take that sucker to a tournament was like, I think it was Ohio River, one of those summer things. I could not back the boat. I couldn't back it. <laughs> Basil Bacon was making a joke out of it at the induction. said, yeah, remember I had to get out in front of Forrest and back that boat down while you were there. I was terrified. Oh my gosh. I mean, man, backing it down with that thing. But, you know, eventually they got a Suburban. But, yeah, that's how I, yeah. I tooled around in a Lincoln Continental with a Ranger boat. Oh my gosh. I cannot even imagine. I'd love to see that image. I'd love to see that. <laughs> so, so the, the Ranger gig then parlays into actually going to work for Bass. So like, you know, all these years later, when you, when you cornered Ray at the hotel, uh, it actually happened. Uh, tell me, so tell me, how did that happen? Tell me about that. Yeah. You know, we, uh, 
I was involved with with Bass then through Ranger. Um, so there was already involvement. And then what happened was um, Harold Sharp, the original tournament director, he yeah. retired. And so uh, Dewey Kendrick was promoted to his place. Dewey needed a uh, an assistant. Right. And I'll never forget it. We were, I think we were, there was a team championship of some kind at Lake of the Isles, you know, there on the Thousand Islands. And that's when it was almost like a megabucks course where uh, the teams, and they were like two guys, like two pros, like Nixon and Tommy, and they yeah. rotated. And so I was helping Dewey just kind of move the, move the boats around on the time. And he said, the job's open. It's yours. I mean, right there. He said, but there's one interview question. And I said, what? And he said, could you DQ Rick Klun? I froze. And, you know, Dewey's like, well, there's only one answer. And it ain't yes, you know, or no. Yeah. And I yeah. said, it's yes, I could. And he said, you got the job. <laughs> and, you know, oh but, my God. It's funny, but think about it. It made me realize the tremendous responsibility that came with that job. It's a huge and responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he made us carry, I carried a copy of the rules in my wallet because that's how, you know, Harold Sharp, you know, days that he was. And so, yeah, you know, and it, it was a it was a fantastic experience being his assistant yeah. because during those years there were so many things that that he accomplished and, and Bass accomplished um, and I got to be there for him. Yeah, yeah. That in, in the history of Bass, you know, and I mentioned it in my uh, Hall of Fame speech, uh, but that to me was, you know, the the most iconic like golden era of of bass fishing to me like yeah. when i close my eyes and i think about the passion that i have for the sport why i love it i always i immediately i don't go to my time in the sport i go to that time right the i you know for me it's the early 80s to you know the mid 90s you know late 90s like that and outside of my involvement um dude that's the most amazing time for me from the sport and and to be involved in it directly working for past dude that must have been incredible do you, do you look back on that and just think i mean because a lot of times when something's happening you don't realize right you know you're engaged in something and you're just you're just doing it and then like you know all of a sudden like life life is like that you know you stop and you look and you're like holy shit i'm bald and i'm gray yeah. and oh yeah my my oldest kid is 25 like I, I, what just happened but do you look back on that and th think how, you know, that was special, man. That was special. Yeah. 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 I mean, here's it's last year I was uh, in, we're doing a documentary, historical documentary and, and, and getting a lot of those memories uh, recorded. And yeah. so my part was good at Montgomery. And um, so my part was seated for the interview was, I was talking about Helen Severe, yeah. Bob and Dewey, but you know, in the, in the, in the deal to answer your question in my part about Helen, here's, here's what happened was, was the workforce in that building as a whole during those 80s when you were talking about, we were all in our 20s. I mean, I was 20, in my mid-20s, I was assistant tournament director. And a few years later, I'm associate editor of Bassmaster and Bass Times. But literally, that building was full of 20 years, 20 year olds, early 30s. Helen empowered us to be part of all of those things going on right. and it energized it energized us i mean we were young we're full of energy we're full of goals and she yeah. just fed it 
And, you know, we didn't realize it then, but I mean, at this age I am now, I did. And that's how we were able to do those things. I mean, we were closing, uh, we were closing $1 million issues of Bassmaster in ad sales. Uh, you know, we were, the non-endemics, you know, people say, well, we need non-endemics. We had non-endemics in yeah. the Chevrolet, yeah. Kodak, Polaroid, Rubbermaid, BP. Wrangler. Yeah. Wrangler. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and that was all because of, of a lot of it had to do with Helen's leadership. But, you know, and before that, it was still the momentum of, of what Ray and Helen and, and Bob and, uh, uh, and Harold had done, you know, and then yeah. Dewey who I worked for in Dave Preck, they all just took it on as the next to the next level. It was amazing. Yeah. Like you said, it was the best of times, really. Best, best of times. Best of times. Without a doubt, I can say that that was the golden era of, of bass fishing. That was that was the best. Was the tournament the, the tournament director job must have been stressful too, though, right? Like cool because you're getting to see the sport that you love and you're getting to participate in it directly, but Talk about that stress. I mean, you carried a copy of the rules in your pocket, but it pretty stressful. Yeah, yes and no. You know, again, when you're young, you don't really feel stress like you do right. when you're older. But, you know, the thing about us back at the time, and this is what ESPN never could understand when they bought us, was they, they were flat. They were amazed at what we did with such a small group. Right. Um, when I was in tournament with Dewey, there were four people, four of us in the office. And that's it. And, right. you know, we pulled off the classic, you know, literally the entire office went to the classic except for customer service and fulfillment in the back building. But yeah, you know, there, there were some stressful times because, uh, you know, it was, uh, we didn't have the technology like for weather forecasting and things like that, that we had. Yeah. Now. Um, yeah. you know, we had, we had, a, I'll, I'll never forget. There was a, situation at Sam Rayburn where two guys didn't come back. They didn't make it back to the weigh-in. It was one of those February tournaments. And mm. we we were up all night looking for them, you know, working with the sheriff's department. And we had this, I, I made this map and we had grid spaces on the on the lake map. And the next morning, you know, we called all of the boats in like it's a takeoff and they were going to go out and look for these two guys. And about the time I'm starting to line up boats, I'm looking out in the distance and there they come. They had broken into a hunting cabin and they were, they'd eaten all the food and they were good to go. But um, yeah, the stress was, yeah, there were some stressful moments, you know, yeah. classics were classics could be pretty stressful. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. because we literally had to do everything because back then we also provided all the boats. Right. Um, when you were, we had, we gotten out of that by the time you won, I, we were still, um, I think my first, let's call it half a dozen classics was still with a sponsor boat. Uh, yeah. and my first classic, which was 99, we still had the limited tackle. So yeah. I think in 2000, I think they changed the limited tackle. And then I think it was the classic, maybe it was a, it was a lay Lake classic, uh, that the year after that they changed it. I think it was the, it was the second it was the cla late classic that kevin won was the last classic that we had to use their boats and then they changed to where we were allowed to use our own rigs so um you know I, that was a cool time too like i i liked i liked the premise of limited tackle i liked the premise of being in 
identical boats. You know, there there were cool parts of that, but I yeah. I do think I do think um I think it was the right decision to let us to let us be in our own rigs. You know, if you qualify all year in your own rig, you should probably fish the championship in your own rig. So that that makes sense. I I see all this happening in your life. Like you were always had one singularly focused direction. Like I think you knew from a very early age that you wanted to be in this sport. And th this is amazing. Like you're making this happen. Like it's it's not like some random thing. Like you're creating this. You're ma you're creating this path for yourself. At what point did you then take that transition to to the writing? Because you know, like like I said, people hearing this for the first time, it's gonna Craig, we got a lot of young guys listen to this podcast. They're going to be blown away because they don't know you as anything else but a great writer at Bass. Like that, so they're going to be blown away listening to this. But at what point did you make that transition? Well, you know, again, just being at Bass, there were so many opportunities. I was there at the right time, really, yeah. to be honest with you. Just like we have all of that. But I put myself, unknowingly at the time, you know, I'm, I didn't know it, but I put myself in the right places at the right time. And, you know, if that sounds like a Clun classic speech, if there ever was one, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the moment. I was in the zen, yeah. whatever. But, you know, I, I was always deep down wanted to be in the media and, and write and be an editor, maybe. Uh, never thought I'd be, you know, what I did. So I went to Dave Precht. And it was the same thing. There was an opportunity. I said, Dave, I, I want to move into editorial. I didn't have any formal um, experience at all. And he's, it's his typical day prepped. He took me to lunch and he said, well, Scott on the line is due tomorrow, 3,500 characters. And that was how I knew I got the job. I was to write Ray Scott's column for Bassmaster, which. Just, just like that, over lunch, that, you were tasked with oh, this. Yeah. But let me tell you, <laughs> I went home that night. I had, we had just had <laughs> MacBooks or Macs. Yeah. I played up all night all night writing that thing and all into the day like i'm cramming for a final yeah and get had it and he prints it out and dave used to use a purple pen for corrections it looked like he had spilled purple ink all over that column <laughs> and that was my introduction to editorial oh and, uh, man I, I went on to write race column for 20 years and it was truly rewarding but um, you know, then, then we started Bass Times and I had another mentor, Matt Vincent, who, you know, I do, um, yep. you know, he didn't mince any words at all. <laughs> and yep. it just, they, they were very forgiving. And I, you know, I, uh, I, I embraced it as a craft. And, um, so yeah, I, I was in editorial for, you know, gosh, 10 years or so, uh, either as a senior writer or as associate editor of the, of the magazines. Yeah. Um, and then the website got launched just kind of as an afterthought. Yeah. And, um, they needed somebody to, to take it over. And um, I, I relaunched it. So I, I really launched it to where it was and, um, you know, made it to where it produced revenue. And that's when I that was probably my moment. That's when I felt like I had been literally set free. There were no boundaries. I could do right. what I wanted to with it. And technology was crazy. There, you no longer had to use the written word. Uh, we had video and everything else. And then, of course, ESPN came around, and that was that was probably the biggest turning point for me in, in a career. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Wow. It's such, it's such a cool story. You know, like uh, it, it, I look at my career, it reminds me a lot of the same things where, you know, it's like a stair, you know, and like, you know, you where you want to go up those stairs, but it's like one thing leads to the next, the next leads to the next. And it's like these things happen. And if they didn't happen, you you'd never get there, you know, and uh, that happened in your life for sure. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's so cool to hear it, man. Uh, I, I want to change change direction a little bit. And there's two things I, I want to talk to you about because we're both we're both older guys in the sport now. We've been, and we've both been around and Craig, you've been in it a little longer than I have, but I want to talk about how things are different now. L let's start with the writing because, you know, let's start with the way people are consuming bass fishing. Now um, you've been there from the beginning from, you know, just the old school guy writing literally tick, 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 tick on a typewriter almost right. Ching, to, to this, digital content machine of today T talk about that because i i want to i'm really curious to hear your opinion on you know is it better now is it worse now do you like the old days do you like the way people are consuming the information today talk about that change yeah that's a good question because you know here's the thing <clears throat> there's so many different uh platforms channels or whatever you want to call it there's social there's web, there's whatever, you know, there's something else new out there we don't know about, TikTok and wherever the next to that is. It's what we've got, what I feel like we have to do, and I think what we're doing that is we have to accommodate how that consumer wants to ingest that media. Right. Do And find the best way to get that directly to them. For an old dude, it might be the mag, might be the mag, a magazine. For a right. kid, it might be TikTok. And we have got to adapt to the mood of the, the social mood, or if you will, of how people get that information. Yeah. I think that, you know, the main thing that, that we can do as far as a service is through education and showing people how to. Right. Um, we, we've got the competition covered, no matter which flavor you want. We've got it covered from high school to the top level where we've All got the bridging the gap is showing people how to do it and capture, if you will, that audience to where we control that narrative if we want to do that. And I mean yeah. that by saying, you know, you've got influencers out there, you know, you've got some influencers that are showing their butt and their boobs and that's an influencer and that ain't no influencer, but you know what right. I'm saying? Right. Or yeah. with guys like you or, you know, uh, people who, who can relate to that age, to that, you know, that age of a person. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's been an interesting transition. I think it moved a lot quicker than, than anybody anticipated, especially in our sport or our yeah. industry. And there was a lot of pushback internally about, do we even need a website? And I'll tell you now, Dave Preck did not want a website at all. No, <laughs> I, you know, it's, I, it's you're taking away the bastion of, what we do and what we are and finally yeah to give it up you know and we yeah. did it's funny because i remember those same conversations i remember those same days i remember it with do you need a website and then i remember it even more so uh more recently with social media like i can remember the conversations of you know that's Facebook. what's this facebook thing or what's this you know like what do you know what do you, do you really need this you know but 
like like again, I, I'm not I don't want to throw us under the bus, but we are older now. Yeah. Is it was it hard? Is it harder? Was it hard to adapt to these changes? And is it still hard? Like, because these as we're talking, changes are happening right now. Is it hard to do that? And and you know, I'm and, and I'm just being honest, a lot of people are very reluctant to do this. They're still, you know top level touring guys right now mm -hmm. older guys especially that are very reluctant to engage in this new stuff and 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 make these changes was it was it hard to do that for you oh sure because um it moves so quick again it moves so quickly yeah i mean there was not any way to slow it down to, to yeah. your speed we had you had to you had to roll with it and adapt to it and that's why i I did my best. I, I got into video production and, um, you know, right now when I'm going to the tournaments, um, you know, most of what I do is custom content, but I, I got a drone license and I mastered it. I, I feel like I'm really good drone pilot. I think it's just a matter of, of tuning yourself into what your best ability to do and don't over, don't overreach because you'll look like an idiot or a failure. You want your message will fall on deaf ears. Um, but yeah, it was hard. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, it's, I enjoy writing. I mean, there's one thing that I'm doing right now. It's probably the most rewarding thing I've done as far as that goes is, uh, you know, next year is Clun's 50th anniversary yes. and I'm getting to do his, his feature in the magazine. Um, but it's had to, you know, you have to make, it makes you slow down. I, to be honest with you, I have a hard time writing, um, long features because I write, my style has been adapted to web. Um, I mean, if that makes sense, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it's, it's hard. The older you get it, the harder it gets because you're, you know, here, I mean, here's the thing I'll admit this is that the older I get, I'm looking at these young kids coming up and they're better at what I did. And yeah. it's frustrating because um, I don't have an ego, but I'm, pro I'm protective of, what I want to do and they're coming yeah. and you can't slow them down. You know, that's a good thing. And it's really yeah. one of the most rewarding things I'm getting to do now is mentor them. But, but yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's the same on the fishing side. You know, as you know, we, I seem like yeah. this comes up in every uh, Ike live over the last tw 12, 24 months, but it's the same with these young fishermen. They are so good. And, it, and, you know, and you're proud because you need them. I, I'm proud that they're coming up and, I need, we need these kids. We need the next generation, but it is frustrating because, you know, you look back and you had to work twice as hard and you had to, you know, there was all this stuff. And now like, you know, you got the, the live scoping and all this technology yeah. and, and they're so darn good at a very young age. And I'm even seeing it with my son. He's 12. He's so darn good at 12. And even, even being my son, I'm very proud, you know, but I'm like, God, that's unfair. <laughs> At twelve, yeah. at twelve, I, I had to read five magazines and go out and practice that technique for eight months before I could master it. My son's doing it in twenty minutes. What the hell? I'm looking at him like this is not fair. But uh, it's crazy. It's def definitely a different world. But here's a part two to this one. And 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 be honest. I I I, I know we've talked about this off camera, but I I, I want you to really give me your feelings on it especially from the fact that Craig, you were a tournament director at best. So, so I, I, I value your opinion on this even more um, is 
the difference in tournaments now, you know, and not just I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. I, I don't want to totally throw modern tournaments under the bus because that's not the right thing to do either. But, um, you know, tournaments are different today. And, you know, we have tournaments that are uh, I, I, I just came a few weeks ago from a I had I cherry picked a MLF Toyota series on the Potomac River. I was climbing the leaderboard every day. Day one, a 30-something place, 12 and a half pounds. Day two, 16th place, 12 and a half. I was going to 12 and a half pound on the death into that top five. Third day was canceled. High winds, rain, potential flooding. I, you know, it was bad, but when I woke up and looked out, I was kind of like, man, them fish are, them fish are biting right now. And the old guy in me that fished in the old days of tournament fishing i i miss that i i miss that so let me maybe just say it a different way because it is like live our tournaments are, are, are the way tournaments are we just a bunch of pussies now or talk to me about tournaments are different nowadays i want to get your opinion on this uh, yeah they're different as far as a lot of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I couldn't do this i, I couldn't there's no way yeah. no lisa yeah. Uh, Talmadge and Chris. Yeah. And, and, and in their defense, again, it's a tough yeah. job. It, it's, it's a tough hard. job. It's hard. I mean, I sat with them for a long time in Plattsburgh when they were trying to decide what they're going to do for the next week at St. Lawrence. Or, yeah, at St. Lawrence. And I'm thinking, right. oh, God, there's no way I can do this now. There's, right. so, there's so many decisions that you have to make that are not – that you couldn't have made back in the day that were simple. It's like, okay, we're going to do it this way, and that's it. They're, right. they're, you have to second – I'm not going to say you got to second guess it, but you've got to consider the liabilities involved. Yeah. Um, that you never had to do that before. But as far right. as that, yeah, as far as that goes, um, yeah, it's not like it used to be. There's there, there's so many different variables involved in it now. The forward-facing sonar, you yeah. know, and I mean, we could do another story on that, and I'm not really the one to talk about that, but it's not going away. It's not. Right. Right. It, it's not going to get, go away. And technology being technology, it's going to take off and it's going to keep going. Yeah. And we can't we can't stop that. At right. All. It's, it's yeah. change, change is going to happen. Right. Change yes. is inevitable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the, the consumer is going to have accessibility to that technology. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, you know, the whole, a lot of the weather calls are, are really tough. Um, I know that when, you know, when I was doing it, um, I'm not answering your question, but it shows the difference is that, you know, yeah, we had uh, two things. We, three things we do is one, we would call the weather service and talk to a forecaster because yeah. we didn't have anything. Uh, and secondly, when we get that information, uh, we would hand out a strip of paper at the, at the takeoff on a little string that when they got their boat, like watch your ass today, the wind's going to blow. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever the case may be. But, uh, you know, the third thing was, and I, I say this, so you can see this is Dewey or me, we'd walk outside of our motel room in the dark and yep, looks good. We're going, you know, and so it's hard to make those calls. Um, yeah. You know, there's some that probably could have been made differently, but you yeah. got to roll with what you do, you know? Yeah. I, I, I think it's just me being, you know, I, I think when you're 
engaged in something for so long and things change, I, I understand change. And I, I yeah. maybe I'm, as you get older, you get more reluctant to it. But the part of the allure of the sport for me was those moments of, you know, this is the playing field, right? This is the playing yeah. field. And you have to adapt to that playing field and make decisions based on that. Water rising, water falling, rain, wind. You know, do I make that run? Do I? I miss that. I miss. Yeah. I feel like a lot of that has been taken away. And I don't want to sound bitter because safety is very, very important. I get that. It's but, it's changed the strat the way it's changed strategy tournament strategies. Yeah. You know, I'm listening to you say that. Yes, it has changed that part of the game. You know, yeah. but it's now it's part of the game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and the same could be said for I think for forward facing sonar. You know, it's the same thing. I'm I'm not bitter to the level of you know Randy Blockett, yeah. uh, but but I also do miss the days where I felt more like it was you against the fish, you know, like you against a creature in the unknown environment. And you know, now it's kind of like you know I'm a big fan. Listen, when I don't make the cuts, I don't know if you know this, but when I don't make the cuts, dude, I watch every second because. You know, part of me is like pissed off. Like, I got to know what I did wrong. You know, like, I'm like, I have to learn. But I am, as a fan of the sport, Craig, I can tell you that I am so disenchanted with watching recently just because of, you, you know, and I, I think we'll figure out a better way to cover it. But, um, boy, it's sometimes hard to watch just as a fan, that me as a fan watching it, you know, so. I, I don't know the solution to that, but there's there's going to be a solution to that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with how we uh, how we show the, you know, how we present it to the audience. Right. right. Um, you know, and I, I think that's, you know, it's not a that's not a good answer to what you were trying to do. But, you know, that is one thing that we do control. And, you know, we don't fabricate it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there are different ways. I feel like that we can present that technology or that information to the audience you yeah. know yeah yeah uh just a spinoff on that I, I th probably a real good thing to talk about and and it, it reminded me when i was at the hall of fame uh it really you know set in a little bit as i looked out at this amazing sea of faces you know and you mentioned it you know you get there and you're looking around and you're like oh my gosh it's tommy that's tommy martin over there Look at Stacy King, you know, and I, and it's funny because I wall, had to walk around with Vegas, not just during the event, but uh, the next day we went back to the museum. We walked through the aquarium, amazing aquarium, uh, and we went back into the Hall of Fame uh, exhibit there. And I'm going through to a 12 year old, you know, explaining the history of the sport. Like we, me and you, take that for granted because we're. We're a part of that, right? But he's 12. And so, you know, he doesn't know Bobby Murray. And he doesn't know Billy Westmerlin or, you know, these names, Al Lind, right? Like, yeah. I'm teaching him that. So I love that the Hall of Fame has a responsibility to, to capture, we're capturing the history of the sport. But when I looked out, it, it, it was very few, you know, it was an older crowd. And, and part of that's by default. But talk to me about growing the sport or, you know, and I, I value hearing these ideas from a guy like you. Are we doing the right things to grow the sport or 
should we be doing other things to grow the sport? Because I, as much as you want to preserve history, you want to keep growing it, right? We're, we're responsible. Me and you and everybody listening to this podcast, if you're 30 years or older, you're responsible for growing the sport. Are we doing a good job? I think we are. I do. I think we, we are given, you know, we are, we are, yes, we are given the distractions that are part of everyday life. Yeah. And you know, our attention span is much more, is much shorter because of all of these things that yeah. we ingest everything on quickly. We're, we're just programmed to move quickly, quickly, quickly. And I really do, Mike, uh, you know, things like the Ike Foundation, the high school, the college, you know, even. Awesome. Yeah, it's those are we're doing the best. I feel like we're doing the best we can with what we've yeah. got. And I don't mean that yeah. in a bad way. I'm just saying that we've got a lot of competition out there from everything. And it's not just fishing, golf, hunting. It's everything. Right. You know, again, at the speed of all of this media uh, is going because that's how we get all of our information anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. I, I, I think uh, I think we're doing a lot of the right things. Like I look at the high school and college and uh, I look at the, even the kayak series. Like I was just involved in a kayak tournament. I see the potential for growth and, I, yeah. you know, giving people access to the sport is what we need to do. And we're doing that. So I think we're doing a lot of the right things. Um, I, I just hope we can keep up. You know, I hope that it doesn't. It doesn't get away from us because there are a lot of distractions, man. Uh, I, I see it with my kids. There's just a lot of other things, but I'd hate to not be able to pass that love on to, to the next, next group of, of people. You know, it's so important. And, and, yeah. and again, I think everybody's responsible for, for doing that. You know, well, we've got, we've got, we've got to take the initiative like you do, you know, like I'm doing and we've got to make that a priority as yeah. individuals and as a whole, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, switch gears here a little bit and I, I want to corner you on something. I kind of did already and I, you gave me an answer, but I want to corner you again now that we're live here on this podcast. Uh, and the timing of this is probably great because you're doing this awesome piece on Clun on his 50th season. Uh, and I know, I know his viewpoint on this, but <laughs> oh, been, Craig, you've been doing it a long time, long time. Uh, got to hear it on this show just from, from you. It's amazing. How long you've been in this? Uh, when is wh when do you see the ret retirement? When is that R word going to happen? Do you do you see that day coming, or are you in Clun's camp? Is there no retirement in sight for you? Um, yeah, that's a that's an interesting uh, question. I, I don't see retirement um, by choice. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. I, I want to yeah. stay around because really what I want to do um, is, you know, the funny thing that happened again last year was I was looking at Bob and Helen and Dewey and I'm thinking, you know, back when I was young, you know, they were the old person. Like I'd look at Bob Cobb's like, God, he's old. And now they're looking at me like, God, Lamb, Craig Lamb, he's old. When is he going to retire? And, you know, what I'm doing, what I'm getting to do that I want to hopefully get to keep doing is I want to mentor them and give them the same opportunities that I had when I was mentored by these original pioneers. Yeah. Uh, but as far as retiring, you know, I, I've got to look at it that, you know, again, the comment earlier about these younger kids that are coming up, their their video, their video skills are 
or like your sons, they're, they're, they developed at a very young age. It's crazy. And, um, you know, at a certain point in time, I've got, I know I've got to step aside and let them uh, do all that. And that, yeah. again, that might, that might happen uh, uh, not by my own decision. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I would really like to be around for a few more years. Um, I don't have any records to set. Um, I don't have any other goals really other than just to be able to go out on my own and not be forced. Right. Um, it's, it's going to be hard because I've done nothing but travel my whole entire life. Right. And, um, you know, there, there would be a massive disconnect when I do that because, uh, again, um, you guys are my family. You know, when yeah. I, I like to say, when I go to a tournament location, there's hundred of my best friends already there in a town that I've never gone to. And that's going to be yeah. an adjustment, but yeah, I, I think about it. I think about it more now than I probably did a year ago. Um, yeah. It's hard to travel anymore. It's, it's a bummer sometimes. So. Yeah. 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 It's you get used to, you know, that routine and, and it's the same yeah. for me. And uh, I can tell you that I took a little break right around COVID uh, and the year after I actually took a little break, a, a, not a retirement, but I just took a little pause and there were elements that I loved about the pause, but there were more elements that I didn't like about the pause. And I, and I, you hit it. Per, you said it so well, I missed that life, which is my life. It's been my life for 35 years. I, I missed the travel and I missed the people and I missed that environment because it's so it was it's so comfortable it's who i am right and um i think that's going to be the hardest part for me too exactly what you said you know is is that's what i love to do and i i've heard rick say you know like what, what are you going to do retire to do what what you're doing you know i'm going what am i going to do retire and i'm going to keep doing my hobbies my hobbies happen to be my my profession it's the same thing that's right it. like yep. i'm yep. going to fish anyway now i do have some other strange hobbies that would give me more time to engage in some of those strange hobbies. I think you have a couple side hobbies too. So you'd sure. have more time for that, but you would definitely miss, you, you know, I would, I think I would uh, miss a lot of elements of it. And it's, uh, it's hard for me to wrap my hands around the exact time. I think you're going to know when you're going to know. Would I you agree so. with that? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And Clint and I, I spent a couple of days with him and he, he really alluded that to the same thing. He, he's going to know when he knows. Right. He's tuning up with himself to know, and he's he knows, you know, he's not physically capable as much as he was. We all yeah. are. Yeah. Uh, and I think we all will. I, and I think the main thing for us is to be able to go out at the right time and not stay in it overly too long, too long. Right. Where it right. kind of gets in the way, like, God, get out of here. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it'll, I think it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. Yeah. Uh, why have you here? Do you want to mention any of your strange hobbies? Because, you know, I've got some weird ones. I, <laughs> I, I just, I'll just give you three of my top ones. So I collect old ink bottles. That one's actually true. Um, uh, I collect cabbage patch dolls. That one's not true, but it is in the media handbook. Um, uh, Civil War reenactment. That one wasn't true, but became true after a trip to Gettysburg. Uh, so I've got some weird hobbies. So do you want to talk about any of yours while we're here live? Um. Nothing really weird. I like, okay. I, I'm really into ham radio. Um, Hell yeah. Oh yeah. I love it because, uh, you know, it gives me a chance to to do something where I get to talk to people around the world. Um, it's awesome. Talk, that's fine. There's some technology in it. Uh, it's kind of a lot about fishing, you know, cause there's, you're around a lot of people that like to do it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really involved in that. Um, super cool. A lot of different levels. 
Um, gosh, I don't know. Kind of boring. Well, um, boring is boring is good sometimes. Yeah, I'm looking around the room. I don't see anything. <laughs> see anything in there, really. Uh, there's a ham radio. There's a all that, that's all bad stuff. So. <laughs> oh man, that's so cool. Well, I, I I can tell you this. Like I said it in the very beginning before you came on, but this has been really cool for me. And and um, like this this whole last couple of weeks is just surreal. But yeah. today being able to interview like this, I feel like it's come full circle. Like the first time we met years and years ago, 98, 99, whatever that was, you know, sitting down nervous, doing an interview with a guy that I knew about. You didn't know about me, but I knew about you, <laughs> you know, like it's funny. And here we are all these years later, you know, and it's like, it just feels so full circle, surreal to me. And it's such an honor to know you and to be able to work with you all these years and, and now to have you on the podcast. Thank you, man. Thank yeah. you. Very I, special. I'm grateful because I feel the same way, man. It's very uh, special. yeah. To be able to connect like this is really kind of full circle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very special. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. This was a, uh, this was a treat for me. I got to hear some stories. I tried to do as much research as I could, but I got to hear some stories I didn't know about, which is, <laughs> Well, it was always fun. So there's some dirt back there. Maybe we do that on another time when we do, you know, like one of the ones where there's beer involved or something. Oh yeah, yeah. They're a little <laughs> more rowdy. I'd love to have you back on one of the other ones, especially oh, yeah. when when we get to the after hours. You know, we oh, had. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I don't know if you knew this, but real quick, I'll mention if and if you're listening to this podcast right now, if you're really hardcore, if you're a more recent fan and you want to go back, start at episode one and you'll find this one. I'm not even going to give it to you, but. Craig, we actually had Bob Cobb on for just a little bit on an after hours segment. And Bob was, you know, as many as we've had gone into it was about midnight. Bob had a few at that point. And it was the best five minutes I've ever had with Bob Cobb. It was unbelievable. So I'd love oh, to have yeah. you back on on an yeah, after was, hours. I'm sure that was pretty epic. It was, yeah. it was epic. It was epic. But uh, thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm yeah. Grateful. Yeah. Thanks for everything you guys do, you and Becky. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Craig, you take it easy, man. You're the best. See you, man. Later. See you. All right, guys. There you have it. Now tell me that wasn't awesome. If you're listening right now, or if you're watching this right now, and you didn't think that was awesome, you just suck because that was amazing. So great to hear from Craig. Uh, man, what a... What an inspiration for a lot of people, uh, for, for, for me, for a lot of people in the sport. But listen to me. If you're a young guy listening to this podcast right now, if you, and we have a lot of them. If you're a, a, a grade school or a high school or a college kid, dude, think about the in, beginning of this interview. Look at the hustle that Craig had. Have that hustle. Do not lose that hustle. You want something, make it happen. Put yourself in a position where it could happen. Don't be afraid to show up at, at Forrest's door and knock, right? Don't be afraid to stalk Ray Scott. Do those things. Put yourself in that position. That's what you got to do to be successful, man. Uh, so awesome to have Craig on the show. Um, guys, I want to remind you, head over to the IkeFoundation.org. Uh, you heard a lot of stuff about growing the sport. If you want to get information on how to help, you can help grow the sport. Get kids involved. 
go on over to the ikefoundation.org. We also have our scholarship dinner coming up this uh, winter. It's actually, I think it's in January, It's it, but it's never too early to sign up for that. Uh, got a lot of great things happening over there with, of course, a great banquet and dinner and auction and all kinds of great stuff happening over there. So, so look at that. And then one last reminder on the hat, guys. Uh, we've got a limited supply of the uh, Ike Hall of Fame hats. Really cool hat. I love this one. Very, very proud to wear it. Head over to MikeIconelli.com. Go to the shop. Got about 100 of these hats left. If you want to get one, get it over there. I, uh, if you want to request a signature, I can even assign it for you. Last but not least, keep your comments coming in. I'm so happy you guys are enjoying Ike Live 2.0. Uh, got a lot of great guests coming up. Halloween special, of course, coming up. Going to be posting more of that on social media. So thank you for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great week. I hope you have a great remainder of the year. And, uh, and be good. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye. 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 You know, right now where we're standing, we're in Camden, New Jersey. Yeah. Philadelphia is right there. This is the concrete jungle. And, you know, a lot of those kids, as they grow up, they don't fish. It's interesting because they're surrounded by water. You know, the, the Delaware River, the Schuylkill, ponds, city park lakes. But they don't have the influence to, to, to cast, to fish, to have a rod and reel. And that really, that became our focus, you know, is to target kids in what we call non-traditional areas, yeah. you know, urban areas, city centers, where the population's high. And, and let these kids have an experience, you know, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, some of the experiences we've had, whether it's Central Park in New York City, here in Camden, other parts of the country, even just casting. Yeah. It's unbelievable to see it, isn't it? Yes. It's unbelievable. Yes. And, and uh, you know, you see these kids have this experience they've never had, and they light up, you know? The big thing, I think, for the Ike Foundation is we're not, we're not saying we want all these kids to become professional anglers. Yeah. It'd be great if some of them did, but we want them to have that fishing experience because it ties them to so, mu so many other positive things. The outdoors, nature, conservation, conservation. Uh, ecology, um, you know, all these amazing things in life that maybe they wouldn't have been exposed to any other way, we're trying to help with that. So yes. it's, it's important, it's important for us. Yes. We're proud of it. I subscribe to BassU TV, and so should you. Great place to learn about anything you want to know about bass fishing. You get it at BassU. We got the best of the best. I'm not just an instructor, I'm a subscriber. I'm John Cruz, and I am a subscriber. You can always learn, and uh, watching BassU definitely helps with that. It's something that I like to do, and it's definitely something that you need to do. If I'm still learning, you should be too. Subscribe to BassU, because you'll learn how to catch a lot more fish.